you know, the reason that crying is so triggering to you is because mm. when you cried, often, not always, but when you cried, your parents shamed you for that. This is a Therapy for Dads podcast. I am your host. My name is Travis. I'm a therapist, a dad, a husband. Here at Therapy for Dads, we provide content around the integration of holistic mental health, well-researched evidence-based education, and parenthood. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Therapy for Dads podcast. I'm very excited to have on, I say special guest, but everyone's special, if I'm honest. I, I say it every week. Everyone's a special guest. It's just a thing, because everyone is special. Everyone's unique, and I love everyone that I've met on this show um, so far in this journey, it's been amazing. I've been able to work with and talk with incredible people with amazing things to say with an array of life experiences. And without further ado, I'm welcoming John onto the podcast for the first time. So welcome. Welcome, John. How you doing? Hey, Travis. Yeah, uh, super excited to be here. You may know me as at whole parent on the social media, whatever social media platform you're on. I'm, I'm probably there. And uh, yeah, just glad to be here. I love talking especially yeah. to dads. Dads dads have a special place in my heart. Yeah, my, mine too. Hence <laughs> the name of the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, and I think that's how we found each other. Uh, you know, I, I've done my best to every time the algorithm has put people on in front of my page that I'm not following, especially when they're men or dads that I think are trying to achieve similar level of healing and reintegration and changing some of the dynamics. I'm... I immediately follow and reach out. And so I reached out to John and, and uh, you know, he's, we, we connected and talked and kind of some kindred heart and some similar passions and some, hey, we really want to help parents and dads. And so I'm like, I have to have him on the show because he's got some great things to say and some really good life experiences and kind of doing what he's already doing and supporting the work he already is doing. And um, for those that are listening, if they need resources, it's like, I like connecting people to bridging them to things that are already out there that they may not know about. I think that's the, sometimes the difficulty is just so much out there. Where do I start? And trying to connect with some of these, uh, you know, uh, creators and uh, people who are doing amazing work already who have done it. It's like, great, start here, listen to the podcast. Here's a person to follow. If you need it, go, go check them out. They're already doing some great work in a way I've kind of done the vetting. So, you know, um, this is, <laughs> I'm doing the vetting process here. So the, the, actually the whole interview process, if you don't know, I'm vetting them. They have no idea. It's a psychological vetting. And then I either don't release the show or I do. So we'll see if this, <laughs> if this gets aired. I'm not sure yet. <clears throat> Depending on what John says. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, so <laughs> I'm joking. So uh, John, tell us a little bit about, and you're the whole parent um, with, with a W, by the way, whole parent with a W. Um, and it's going to be linked in the bio, everybody. Everything's going to be linked to his his uh, his resources and his accounts. But can you tell us a little bit about what you why you started, what you're about over at The Whole Parent? Yeah, yeah. And and by the way, Travis, I also am The Whole Parent, H-O-L-E. I also have, <laughs> I also have that account. Um, okay. when I, was to, yes, I own that one. Smart. So if you're, if you're out there and you thought like, oh, I'm going to jump on this and I'm going to like be fake John, uh, not going to work. I already own that Good one. For you. And I think eventually Smart. when my life slows down, which maybe will be never, mm-hmm. that one's going to be a parenting humor account. Um, nice. Yes. Nice. Yes. Uh, the whole, the, whole, the whole parent. Um, so yeah, you know, my journey to being where I am right now is, you know, it was a very, it, I don't want to say it was a non-traditional path, but but so many of us find ourselves in this space for different reasons and in different mm. stages of life. And for me, I started the whole parent thing because I 
had gone through a parenting transformation myself. Uh, when we first had our first son, it, I didn't know. I mean, I think this is what kind of everyone finds themselves in. It's almost a universal experience, especially for dads, but I think for parents in general. Um, mm. You think that you know what it's going to be like. You don't know what it's going to be like. And and I don't like the parents who are like, it's going to be so hard. It's going to be terrible. Like, don't hear me saying that. But you don't mm. know what to expect. Like, there are, there are unique challenges in parenting and especially in how you have to pre-process your own past and mm. have to do your own work that, that are just unique to, to this parenting thing that we do. Um, yeah. And so for me, I was going, I was in school and I was studying, uh, not, it wasn't therapy, it was counseling. So I'm in school and I'm mm. studying counseling and, um, how to counsel people, especially trauma informed counseling and family marriage and family counseling. And, this is part of a, a, a larger degree and I, we don't have to get into all of it, but um, sure, sure. I wasn't becoming a counselor, but I was studying these things. And I, it, just one day it just kind of clicked that the stuff that I was, I was going home to a little human and mm. I was kind of totally forgetting everything that I was learning in class. There was like a fundamental, mm. you know, dissonance in my brain where the way that I was parenting was just the way that I was parented. And I always say on these podcasts, in case my, my mom is out there listening, I had a pretty good childhood. <laughs> like I, I really didn't, you know, I don't have so many, so many of the, the people who are doing parenting are like hashtag cycle breaker. Of course I'm breaking cycles, but I'm not breaking yeah. the same cycles that a lot of people are breaking. Mm. So, so, you know, right. I had, I had this uh, experience of, of going home and realizing, Hey, this is, different or this is, you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I'm not seeing my son the same way that I would see, you know, a family that I, that I was working with. And I, and right. it just clicked in my head, man, there has to be a better way. And so I started just devouring books and there's a whole subtext to the, a sub subplot here where we were also becoming licensed foster parents. And that really, really through uh, that process of trauma, trauma informed care and oh, I bet. A, a lot of the stuff about, you know, a lot of my stuff that I talked today about like anti-punishment stuff, um, which yeah, we'll, I'm sure yeah. we'll get into. Um, sure. but that, that stuff, a lot of it was coming from the foster care training from the state. So, mm. so I'm getting this foster care training. I'm also getting this like child development, um, basic, basic therapy, psychology, counseling type stuff. And then I'm also a dad, a new dad who's Googling, like, is my baby's poop supposed to be this color? Like I'm doing <laughs> totally. the, like total yeah. typical right yeah. thing at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, and those three things came together and it happened for me young. And then when my friend started having kids a couple of years down the road, because me and my wife got married pretty young and we started having kids pretty young. Um, when it started happening for my friends a couple of years down the road and, and they're going to their friends and kind of just the way that we do in society. And we say, Hey, you know, you commiserating or, or, Hey, what do you, you mm -hmm. got advice for this? And I would give them these kind of thesis on what I thought about their child's problem. And they were like, dude, uh, I was looking for like a three word answer and you gave me like a <laughs> dissertation. Um, so maybe you should be doing this. And so I started doing this on, uh, social media and just trying to kind of address some of the basic, how do we, how can we be effective parents? Um, the basic mm. stuff and uh, yeah, the, I don't want to say the rest is history, but my, all my accounts took off because two things, number one, the stuff really, really works. 
That's, mm. I mean, that's first and foremost. And number two, similar to kind of what we were talking about before, many people had never heard a guy say that stuff, right? They, right. they, that was the difference for, for, I think I have the benefit of, of that very few men are, are you and you and me, Travis talking about this stuff. It right, usually right. it's, and, and, and I was able to connect with a lot of women's husbands. That was a big mm. piece, you know, Hey, I send sure. my husband your videos. And, and so that was a piece of it. So that's how I'm where I am today in doing this parenting yeah. thing. And, and I like what you said, um, you know, it sounds like you got like the trifecta of training, um, trauma informed from foster, which that that's a whole training of itself. And then just basic developmental training of brain, I'm sure brain development, child, you know, early childhood development, and then just becoming a dad and just learning just in the fire of being a parent, you know, trial by fire. So, you know, sink or swim situation, which yeah, all parents go on through. The yeah. Yeah. Boots on the ground. And, and I think to some degree, myself included as a, as a trained clinician, trained therapist, like I know a lot of this stuff already, but just to like kind of say yes to what you said is even then I was, there's still things I didn't know. I was still Googling things. The poop thing. Absolutely. I did that. Like, <laughs> are they breathing? Are they not breathing? Cause I knew stuff, but there's still yeah, stuff I yeah, don't yeah. know. Cause you, and, and each kid so right. Each kid is so unique. Now there are foundational things that I fully believe in that every kid should have regardless, Sure. but each kid is unique and sometimes you have to adjust. And I'm sure we'll get into that in this podcast about with effective parenting, since that's the topic of today, effective parenting and the, and the, and the shift or, or the growth, so to speak, out of what we just called earlier in the green room, ineffective parenting, or maybe old school parenting or maybe yeah. not as informed parenting Tra or traditional. traditional parenting. Uh, yeah. And I would think, and I would say probably some of that is probably based on what they knew back then. Oh, right. Because absolutely. there was things 50, 60 years ago. I said, this is what you should do to a child. And that was taught by people with PhDs and doctors and the, the people yeah. that were trying to teach it. And now it's like, with the new information we have now with brain scan imaging and all this other stuff with we now know actually that was not helpful some of it fine but there's a lot of it that actually caused more pain trauma insecurity you know things like that yes. and so today we're looking at effective parenting and your your journey of becoming a dad learn these things understanding trauma and saying wait a second hold on uh maybe some of the stuff in the which i was parented my parents probably did the best they could you know hi mom Hi, John's mom. Um, <laughs> did the best they could with the tools they had, and the reason why I say it is because I talked. I've talked to my dad recently. Um, well, I mean, we've been talking for a little while now. We we didn't talk for about three or four years. That's a different story. Um, but now we're talking, and we've had some really amazing, really deep conversations. And he was like, you know, Trav. He said, you you guys, what you're doing. He's, you know, you're so far ahead of what I knew then. We didn't know any. This was not. He's like, we didn't talk. This was not. No one talked about this back then. No one talked about it. And it wasn't, an, he wasn't saying like an excuse, but it was more of an, an acknowledgement of reality of the, what he came out of and his parents being baby boomers and like what they were. And just, this was not discussed. So he's like, you right. guys, you learn, you know, he's, he's like, you know more than I did. Not even close at your age. He's like, I'm still learning this stuff now at my age at 60 something. He's like, you, you know, this, I'm like 30, right. you know, 30 years old and you, I'm just now learning this stuff. Right. So there is something where we look at the generations previously and we can acknowledge, Hey, they, probably did the best, generally speaking, with the tools they had. And some of those tools were ineffective and not even helpful. And now we're doing things differently. Well, I think we're the first generation of parents who could parent differently in this way. Yeah. Like, I, and I right. think that, I think that this is a, this is definitely something that I've had to process with many people who I work with, um, is that, you know, 
I don't want to. I don't want to completely go down the path of your parents did the best they could with what they had. Like I think that that's a little it, bit of an overused, right? Like I think right. we all. And I'm I'm, gen, I'm generalizing here for because sure, I, for I, sure. I I work with a lot of trauma and stuff that was not the best. I mean, was not the best that they could. Right? Absolutely, and I and I'm I'm a generally statement here. For here. sure, no, and and I and I say this too. Like I, I use it a lot, but I, but I also think there's there's another piece to this, which is that goes a little bit deeper to that. That I don't just say like I I think that you were you were getting at this. It's not just they were doing the best they could with what they had. They were also maybe doing the best they could with what was available. Like yes. there's there's yes. there's a whole second conversation to be had about well, you know, disproportionate poverty and and uh, marginalized communities mm-hmm. and are they even is this research even available to them and is it is it accessible mm-hmm. and and are we right. doing this well, right? But but there's another piece of this which like like you said, PhDs and doctors in 1989 are giving people, you know, so this is the example that I use all the time. You know, we've known basically prior to 1990, we knew effectively nothing about the brain. We knew about psychology, yep, right? Yep. But we, we knew effectively nothing about the brain in comparison. That's why they call the 90s the decade of the brain. Like we didn't mm-hmm. really know anything about the brain. And right. a great example of of this, it's not exactly this, but similar, is that, you know, the uh, established medical treatment, 1985, not a long time ago. I mean, this a lot of people mm-hmm. who are parents right now in my membership were born in 1985. The established medical treatment for Braxton Hicks contractions in 1985 was IV alcohol. That was yeah. how you stopped Braxton Hicks contractions. The idea that like, when people hear that, like, oh my God, yeah. what about fetal alcohol? Syndrome? Like, yeah, they didn't, they weren't even, not, not even thinking no, along weren't. those lines. Right. And no. this is not a, this is not a million years ago. This is 40 mm-hmm. years ago that this is the real, right. you know, world that we're living in. So, so just understanding that, that that's the first thing that we have to acknowledge and is that totally. when we talk about effective parenting, um, we can't hold boomers and even, you know, early, oh. early Gen Xers to the standard that we hold no, we ourselves can't. to today. Yeah. And we can talk about yeah. why effective parenting is so important with the teen mental health crisis, right. but totally. um, we can't hold them to the same standard in the same way no. that you can't hold somebody from a thousand years ago to the same standard of right. patriarchal it's context. You need, views. Yeah, right? you need context. Yeah, you need context. Because without con- if, you, if you remove context... You have to look at the time and the day and the place to, to right. better understand someone. And even someone in my office, like if I have a person in my office, I have to take, I really have to know everyone's particular context and culture right. that they're from. Their family culture, their ethnic culture, like, and I can't apply that to every single person because there's going to be some nuance, even even present day, right? So I right. have to, you're right, we have to take context, we can't remove it, because if we remove it, then it's actually... That's misinformation. That's actually a fallacy. And then you're looking at them not from the correct lens. It's like, no, you're right. They didn't have this accessible. In fact, because like you said, what was accessible was that right. IV alcohol. That 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 right. was the treatment. So you're like, oh, I'm being told this is the. I'm going to do the very thing that doctor. What is told, right? Right. Um, or spanking was a big thing back then. You sure. strict and punish. Or back then, I'm thinking of kids. Leave them alone, right? I mean, oh. this was taught. Do yeah, not I mean, this touch is the them. 90. I mean, right? the 90s is the decade right? of leave your kid alone when they're crying because yeah. you're going to give them too don't much. Don't touch attention. them. Yeah. Don't. You'll spoil them, right? Don't touch them, right? All these right. things. But, but we know that not right now. Um, and we know that what we teach now that's actually creating more trauma in the brain and disconnection sure. and and these kids now have to become over hyper independent and not rely on people and they develop different insecure attachment styles because of this and so but then but that's what was taught 
And right. so you're right. Today, we have a plethora of knowledge. We have a plethora of information, but we're still healing, and that's right. going to take time. Well, and um, I think that we just, I think part of our healing has to be a real acknowledgement of that, mm. of, you know, I think that part of the healing process, I, I, the more I go into this work and the more, and you're, you're going to yes, amen this, but the more I go into this work and dig deep into this, the more I realize that all of the tips and tricks and hacks, like these things without a deep sense of doing your own work and actually reprocessing your own childhood are band-aids on a, on a gaping wound. Like, Mm, like, you know, if you're using the stuff on my account, the stuff that you hear on this podcast to get your kid to repress their emotions and, and, you know, not, not actually trust themselves and ultimately to just be compliant and obedient at all costs, right? Like if that's your Mm. end goal, like you could use the stuff that I say to do that, but you're not going to have great amazing relationships long-term with your kid. You're not going to foster healthy, emotional, physical, mental well-being, relational well-being Mm -hmm. with your your child if if that's your ultimate goal. And so, you know, as we talk about effective parenting, which we should probably get into, but like as we talk about what what this is, like we can't divorce that. Like the first step is always in. Yeah. The first, like the first step is always looking back at what happened to me. And, yeah. and why am yeah. I responding, reacting in this way? Hmm. Well, let's jump in. That's the first step, right? I mean, I think it's good to have, we were laying some context, everybody, laying some groundwork for, <laughs> you know, why effective parenting. And the first step is effective parenting sounds like is looking inward. Who, you know, why am I reacting, right? Is that, is, yeah. it, is that the first step of your model? Well, yeah, I think, I think that, yeah, if, if you ask me what the whole parent method is, I keep, people keep trying to nail this down. Like, okay, so like, what's the process? And, and really, hmm. I mean, I'm such a nuanced driven person that I'm like, well, the process is different for everyone. What pe- people want three easy steps, right? So I think it's if true. you, if you, if you want the three easy steps, it's uh, number one, you have to like shift your mindset. You have to mm. reframe the paradigm of what is my goal in parenting? Mm. Like, is my goal ease? Like, is my goal doing less work as a parent, which by the way, if you're a new parent, if you're listening to this and your kid is six weeks old and you're like, Am I ever going to go to another movie again? Yes, you will. But like, it's going yeah, to be will. some time, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It, I understand the the immediate your freedom. You, there is a loss of freedom when mm. in parenting when you're when you're another human is is you're responsible for another human. Um, right. And so I understand why people want to you know that. But if that's your ultimate goal is to be free of your kids, this is the people who say things like, man, just can't wait till they're 18 when they're like 18 months old. Yeah. If that's your ultimate goal out of parenting, like you're going to be supremely disappointed at the end of your life. And I think big piece Mm. of this too is my primary counseling environment that I worked was as a chaplain at a hospital with people who were Mm. dying. Specifically, I worked at one hospital where the average age at this hospital was probably 75 or 80. And Mm. this this hospital, it was all geriatric patients because it was part of a hospital system where the, if anybody was over 80, they just sent them to this one hospital. And hmm. so I'm sitting with all these people who are dying and they're people who parented their kids, you know, with the belt and they parented their kids with the, you know, with a voice or, you know, whatever mm. the obedience, compliance, this whole model. And yeah. like not a single one of them was like, man, I really did a good job with my kids. And I yeah. am so grateful that I like, you know, took out my frustration on them physically. Every single one yeah. of them was like, man, I could have been, I could have been gentler and I should have been. Yeah. And yeah. I, and so, and so understanding, you know, you, 
uh, I don't remember if this is a Dan Siegel and Tina Payne Brysonism or, or who this is, but you start with the end in mind. You know, mm. if you if you start under with the end goal in mind of like, what am I actually trying to achieve? And right. then, so if that maybe if that's really step one is thinking about what your actual goals are for your kid and what you want your kid to be not when they're eighteen. This is another big one, but when they're thirty eight. So mm. I I like to tell parents stop focusing on how your kid's going to be at 18 because they say, well, I want my kid to go into Harvard, get into Harvard. I want him to play football for Ohio state or I want him to do this or that. I want him to get married to a beautiful person or whatever. I want him to have a great first job at 38 when they're engrossed in their career. What do you want them to do? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Right. So starting with the end in mind, right? So start, start at 38. Do your, your child's been doing their career for, for at this point, let's say 20 years or, or maybe 15. They've reached the pinnacle. They have the corner office. Now what? Hmm. How do you want them to feel? Mm. Well, I want my child to feel a sense that they go to work every day and that they're um, doing something good for the world. I want my child yeah. to have a, a loving and supportive family. Okay, mm. now these are real goals. Let's let yeah. those are real goals. Like let let's yeah. let's talk about the because from thirty eight to eighty eight, that's all. Like th- those goals aren't going to change very much. Mm-hmm. Up until thirty eight, your goals are going to change a lot, or maybe until twenty eight, your goals are going to change a lot. At thirty eight they're pretty locked in your goals are like, that's where I start. So start with the end of mind. Number one, number two, now understand that your fact, if there's an opposite of effective parenting, it's factory default parenting. This is what I forgot. Mm. I forgot to say this before I had, I had it in my mind. I was like, I do call this something factory default parenting <laughs> is it's okay. Dad brain, dad, dad brain, it's dad yeah. brain. I'm still thinking about dad my brain, kids are yeah. downstairs. Um, so fact <laughs> factory default parenting, now step two is to go back into your past and go, what is my factory default parenting? And why is it that way? Yeah. Why, why am I triggered by crying? And people Mm. are like, I just don't like the sound of it. And I'm like, yeah, but why? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Okay. But exactly what, but is it because, and it's really interesting, even with people who are on the reparenting journey, I was just on a podcast a couple uh, weeks ago and I I was talking to a a mom who's on the reparenting journey and I was like, I pointed something out that was a very kind of plainly visible in the what in the story mm. that she was telling. She's like, no, I don't think that's it. And like five minutes later, she's like, no, that was 100% it. Like mm-hmm. it, our initial reaction yeah. to yeah. uncovering our own factory default settings is to rejection. So number one, yeah. start with the goal. Number two, yeah. do your own work. And then number three, now that you're, for lack of a better term, conscious parenting, you're thinking about your parenting, and you're thinking about what you actually want from your family and your children. Now let's go forward and let's go mm. into the strategies and what I call the tools of effective parenting. Yeah. No, that's, I love it. I think that I love, and I know it's nuanced and, but generalizing, generally speaking that, that those three steps are so important of, you know, I, what is my default? Why, you know, and what's my, what is my end goal? And what are my real goals? Not just the the harbor, but how do I want them to be? What kind of person, mm-hmm. right? You know, what, you, that's like real, because that's, that's really what we're aiming at or we need to be aiming at because it helps us get there versus the Harvard or the play ball. It's like, wow, those are important, but you're getting to a much deeper meaning. And also coming from your experience of meeting with these dying individuals and hearing these stories time and time and time and time again, totally. themes of, wow, I could have been more loving, could have said it, should I could have worked less. I could have been more. It's often the same stuff. It's like I could have been there. Could have said it more. I didn't need to work as much. It's really about relationship, and that's where you're getting. We're at very with complicated this, right? people. Human beings are very complicated, and at the same time, we're not that complicated. Correct. Like at the same time, like people said the same thing over and over and over, and I understand they were coming from a, a given context, right? Maybe if I was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, then 
you know, uprooted myself and moved to the Congo or moved to China or moved to, to South America somewhere, maybe I would have gotten different responses. But at least in mm -hmm. North America, in suburban Chicago, I mean, people had all sorts of different backgrounds. Universally, it was either I have a good relationship with my kids and it's the greatest achievement of my life, or I don't have a great relationship with my kids and it's the greatest regret of my life. Mm -hmm. And I think it's universal. I would say that's universal from authors I've read that have worked with people groups from different countries and nationalities and cultures. I'd say there's some definitely a universal connection there, right? Because yeah. we're relational beings, so yeah. there's definitely so, that well, universal sure. connection. Yeah. For sure, there's yeah. there's there's got to be some universality to it. But 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 yeah. but you know certainly with the the context of what but what was in the way, right. what yeah. was in the way was was either I was too hard on my kids, or mm -hmm. I was too absent. Like there was never a, I was just too permissive, which, which I understand you can't yeah. like, you yeah. can't, I'm not saying that you can't totally. be too permissive, but very, the only permissiveness, if you really want to know the only permissiveness that I've ever heard a child, a grown up child complain about in their parents was the permitting of the, another person in their life to continue to hurt them. Hmm. Like if you were so conflict avoidant that you as the parent did not intervene with the other parents abuse or with another family members abuse. Sure. That's the type of permissiveness that I'm worried about. Like mm -hmm. that's the, am I a permissive parent? And are you believing yeah. adults more than you believe your child when they're telling you that there's something going on that like that, yeah. that's the permissiveness that I would say we got to, we got to nip. But, but the, the kind of thing that you hear on, I, I hate to say this, but from the Gen X, especially generation of like, these kids just do whatever they want these days. And these kids just, the parents just let them get away with anything. Like, yeah, I, you know, I've never, I'm, I'm still waiting to find the, the people for whom that was the, the great sin in their life that caused them to be really messed up psychologically, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and thinking of some of the themes when you hear of this kind of introspection of the parents that you've heard, you can generalize this, of, of course, but, you know, what are some of those themes you've seen or heard reported when those, the default parenting piece, I think that's a, I think a thing a lot of us can get stuck in. So what are some of those themes of those parents that have gone through your program and they're like, whoa, those like aha moments as to why they're stuck in the default parent mode? What are some of the big ones that you see time and time and time and time again? Yeah. So, so I'm actually thinking I'm, I'm. I'm kind of playing around with the idea of writing about this someday, but, but I think that it's, it comes down to a set of myths really. Mm. So the default parenting primarily are actions that are grounded in a certain, and I'm going to use this word uh, maybe in a way that your listeners haven't heard, but a certain mythology that they mm. believe. Right. So one, mm. I'll, I'll was addressing this. Yeah, tell me with, more. I was tell I was more. addressing this with a seventy five year old woman yesterday. Literally, so sitting at lunch with a seventy five year old woman yesterday, and or she might be older than that. And she was like, "Do you actually think?" So we were talking about my son actually and my parenting. And mm -hmm. I said, "You know, oh well, you'll never see me correct my son in front of you. You'll never see me punish, discipline, consequences in front of you. Yell at him in front of you." And she was like, why? And I said, because anything he's doing in that moment, it's ineffective, not effective parenting, to engage him in the moment of dysfunction. Always more effective to re-engage later. And she just spit the myth out, right? She said, you're telling me that three hours later, 
your six-year-old is going to be able to remember what happened. I'm like, I'm telling you that three months later, my six-year-old will be able to remember what happened. Now, not every kid is that is like that, but three hours right. later, every kid that is verbal who has neurotypical cognition is going to be right. able to re- readdress something that happened later down the road. But this myth that kids, if you, the kids are like dogs, and if you don't discipline them in the moment of dysfunction, then you might as you didn't do anything, or you don't, you know, you don't mm-hmm. yell at them when they're doing something wrong, then they'll just keep doing right. it. That's a myth. Yeah. So, and that also goes into how you define discipline. Sure. Right. That's that. That's a thing, right? Because you know, well, how is she thinking? What does discipline mean versus what you mean by discipline? Well, right, and it's a generational gap. So she raised her kids. Right. She raised her kids in the nineteen probably 70s and 80s. Um, mm. And so her kids who were raised in the 70s and 80s are like, she's like, you don't do any spankings, do you? And I'm like, no, I don't. And she's like, oh, mm. so you're just, you just got to give them those constant timeouts. And I was like, no, I actually mm. don't give my kids timeouts. I actually don't punish them at all for anything. And she was like, what? What do you mean? You can't, you, mm. what do you mean you don't punish them? And I said, well, I'm trying to teach them. I'm not trying mm. to hurt them. I'm not, well, and I don't want right. to say punishment is always hurting, but I, I'm right. not trying to de-incentivize the action. I'm trying to educate around the mm. behavior. And I'm mm. trying to get to the, here's another myth. Behavior is never the problem. Behavior is always the symptom of the problem. Your kid, mm. your kid's behavior, and maybe it's like a habit, they chew on their shirt, and then the behavior might be the problem because it's habitual and you know they have a compulsiveness sure. to it but but with actual relational stuff the behavior is never the problem the behavior is always the, the iceberg underneath right mm-hmm. the like that's what's going on and so you want to discipline you have to educate this is what discipline mm-hmm. means and um for you know western history the last let's just say the last 200 years of western history for for uh, this context for the last 200 years of Western history until about 20 years ago, the idea was the only way to educate is to cause discomfort. Mm-hmm. De-incentivize through discomfort. Um, we now know that that's pretty ineffective. It's ineffective with kids. It's ineffective with adults. The more harshly you punish someone does not change whether they will commit a crime or not. If the speeding ticket is $800 or it's a hundred dollars, or if it's $2,000, People speed at the same rate. If mm-hmm. you lock somebody up for on a third strike drug offense for 45 years or, or life sentence there's versus a fine, there's no decrease in the amount of illegal drug sales and use. Punishment is not a good teacher. It's just mm-hmm. not. So at what point are we going to start parenting effectively and actually working within a system that's about retribution and it's about education which, by the way, in those environments, the way that you can stop somebody from speeding, education. The way that you can stop somebody from reoffending who's incarcerated, education. That's mm-hmm. really what it is. This is how humans developed and learn. We learn through education. Mm-hmm. We don't learn by punishment. And there's reasons right. in the brain why that doesn't work. But suffice to say, if, you, if you're willing to believe Travis and I, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, and, and, and in some of that, too, I would add with some of those things is we got to also do some healing too, healing some old wounds, some old or old myths. And cause I think the, I think what John's on to and, and is, is really when you ask that why question, why am I doing this? Why am I parenting this way? Why am I, you know, what is my mode of defaulting or yelling or, you know, crying pisses me off. I scream, you know, 
or I spank, like, where is that coming from? And often it's our own hurt and pain and wound anyway, you know, right. often, generally speaking. It's often our own stuff, our own fear of control or fear of something bad happening or why we think we deserve it or they deserve it or, you know, whatever it is, often from our own pain and hurt. Um, and so that's like, we got to go through our own healing process, like you said. And now for a short break. So if you're looking for ways to support the show and my YouTube channel, head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash therapy for dads. There you can make a one-time donation or join the monthly subscription service to support all that I'm doing at the intersection of fatherhood and mental health. And all the proceeds go right back into all the work that I'm doing into production, into continue to grow the show to bring on new guests. So again, head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash therapy for dads. Thanks. And let's get back to the show. Big part of being an effective parent is also doing your own work, right? So can you tell us a bit more about that, doing your own work? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, I think a big piece of this is, you know, one, I mean, there's, there's, there's the kind of, there's the multiple layers of this, right? So the first layer is, you know, me making a TikTok video or something that says, you know, yelling is selfish because yelling is about mm. getting your aggression out, not about educating your chit, right? So like, mm-hmm. that's like the first level of just, okay, recognizing that so many of the punishments or I guess just parenting moments that I, w- I regret had way mm. more to do with how I, where I was and way less to do with where my kid was in that moment. So that's number one. The deeper level is when you get into the spanking and the physical, the stuff that in many, many of the circles that I run in, we would now say is abuse. When, when you get into the abusive, which by the way, you know, extreme timeouts, extreme cold shouldering, this is emotional abuse. So, Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, I, probably the thing that blew me up initially uh, more, more than anything else on TikTok was when I uh, made a video about how there was this dad who was making his daughter smash her own cell phone because she had been disrespectful to him on her phone and he made her like mm. smash it with a hammer and she was clearly in great distress and I mm. said that's abuse and it's not abuse because of what he's doing it's abuse because he's not stopping when she's when when she is in this state right Right, right. So she's not helping her regulate herself, right? He, she's more dysregulated. Right. And, she's yeah. this twelve-year-old kid, and she is yeah. like, you're watching a person be traumatized, right? And I don't care what it is, whatever yeah. it is, right? Yeah. For for what for for some kids, you look at them the wrong way, and that's enough. Oh yeah, I think of my two boys. Very different. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh yeah, I got very one different. Too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have to. It, I have to approach them. There's definitely a similar base, but I have to approach them differently because definitely my second has that more emotional, you know, again, by look, I, right. I, he takes that, that's like everything. Like right. it just, it hits him differently. My oldest is, he's more in his head. So it's like, okay, whatever, you know, right. Uh, right. whatever dad, you know, so I have to reach him differently. So you have to, you have to think each person's unique and how are they, what are, how are they picking up and what are they reading? What, how are they picking up the energy, my energy right, um, of the room, of the world around them? So yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and so, and so w- when we get into these, whatever you want to classify as abuse, when we get into abuse, at this point, we're talking about really disorganized mm-hmm. memories and, mm-hmm. um, the process of actually, it's hard to even call them memories, right? Cause they're just fragments and intrusions into our psyche. And sometimes it's not even explicit. Sometimes it's implicit. We don't even remember what happened, but we know how it made us feel. Um, mm-hmm. and so what, what, what happens then is that we have to start well, I banged my microphone here. We have to start to actively, like, 
I'm trying to think of the right word for this. We have to think very critically now mm. about, about these things because the natural default way that m many humans, if not most Western thinkers, will organize a disorganized memory, which includes, by the way, their primary caregiver, which they feel like I have to, this person loved me. That has to be a fundamental principle of most of our lives is that our parents loved us. Like if, if our parents love us and they also hurt us and that creates this great dissonance and disorganization, then we have to justify our parents' actions. And so one of the fundamental reparenting type work things that I do is, hey, how are you justifying what your parents did to you? Because whatever you can justify your parents doing to you, you will be able to justify doing to your kid. Mm. If you think, you know, hey, I deserved it or I, it made me the person I am or I'm better for it. I was a snot-nosed little kid and now I'm better for it. Mm -hmm. If you're able to do those mental gymnastics in order mm. to come to a place of baseline where you're not actively being traumatized, I mean, this is a coping strategy. Mm. It's subconscious, but it's a coping strategy. Mm. If you're getting to that point, then we have to deconstruct that because you, if, if you think that you being hit was, you made yeah, you yeah. a better person, it will always be within your power to hit your kids. It will always mm. be there at the back of your mind going, maybe they need it too. Mm. If you think that your parents yelling at you straightened you out, it will always be in the subtext of your mind. Maybe right. sometimes it's okay to yell at your kids or it's good to yell at your kids. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny, not funny. I think what you're saying is so important because a lot of the work that I do with trauma and attachment, wound healing, deficits, things that, a lot of shame, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of these things that we go back to, whether it's implied or explicit, intentional, unintentional, you know, when I'm sitting with them and, and I'm in the place and I go back and kind of ask these questions like when maybe they're in some level of distress and their parents were yelling. And these give me good intentioned parents who for the most part were fine, but they have these moments. This is a memory though of like, there's this sense of shame, like I wasn't enough, or I was somehow bad, or I'm somehow I'm a failure. So we internalize this message of like, well, that's why I'm being yelled at. And so then I'm deserving of this later because, right. and they even do it themselves, by the way, when they're adults, like 38 yep. now. Oh, yeah. They do that. They have that internal critical voice of anytime something goes wrong, it's like, well, because I'm bad, I'm deserving. They, I'm it's stupid. A tape that plays. I'm just so I'm stupid. stupid. I mean, I'm, how many people do you work with, right? And their default when they make a mistake is, I'm so stupid. I'm stupid, or I'm not enough, or I'm worthless, or I'm a failure. Yep. I mean, these are, it's to every and oh, when that's I go my back internal to those voices. Voice. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. my intro. Like yeah. that's the work that yeah. I'm doing currently. I totally. mean, it's a real thing. Yeah, no, and mine was I was not enough, mm. um, and I had to work through that in my own therapy. But when I when I sit with these people and I get to that soft place and I'm able to kind of get there with them, yeah, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time is not that they, need, is, they didn't need yelling. They didn't need a spanking. They didn't need to be put in the room. They didn't meet. No, they needed someone to hug them. I they wanted needed a hug. connection. Yeah, they needed connection. They needed comfort. They needed two minutes. Someone to say, you're okay. I'm here. I'm not leaving you. I know you're having a hard time because we all, it's like built, it's wired into us. That's what we need. Yep. But then what we learned though along the way is that, well, I can't really trust this. So I have to kind of shut that part off of myself and like not need these things yeah. and tell myself, well, it's because I'm not enough. Right. So we, cause we have to make sense as part of our brain of survival is like, well, we do what we got to do to survive. In some ways we do that by the way is by blaming ourselves for the problem because I mean, that's, that's the only thing we can do to cope. 
Right. That I mean, no, I'm 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 like I'm like jumping in here because you're you're it's a super exciting to me to talk about this stuff because this is another one of the myths, right? Independence. Mm. That independence yeah. is somehow a goal. One of the things now this is one that I will get at thirty eight. Well, I want my child to be independent. And I'm like, Really? Mm. You that's you're you're hoping that they don't need other people and that they're they're so fiercely independent that they don't rely on anyone for anything? Yes. Mm. Okay, like mm. Where does that come from? Well, yeah, let's, let's talk <laughs> about that. There's a story there. There's, let's talk yeah. about that because because none of us, like when mm. you have a hard day, you go home to the people who, who care about you, whether that's yep. a spouse or whether that's a trusted friend or colleague or your parents still, even as an adult, like you go back to the people with whom you are safe. And mm-hmm. that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing. Thing. That is a good way of processing. Like there are so many worse ways of coping with disappointment mm. and harm and hurt and having a bad day and not getting the thing promotion at work that you wanted to get or, or the breakup that you just went through or the loss of a parent. Like there are so many worse, more destructive ways to go through this than to lean on people who love you. But yet one of the myths is, you know, Hey, I want my child to self soothe. And Mm -hmm. we talk about this in, in, in uh, sleep training or in, you know, at nighttime, but really where this falls into the greatest issue is the, I'm going to ignore you when you're crying because I want to teach you how to self soothe instead of teaching Mm -hmm. kids how to cope and coping oftentimes as an adult looks like processing with a trusted person. And by Mm -hmm. the way, your child's brain is not developed enough to, to cope on their own anyway. So, no, so they need us. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're just putting them in a supremely, you know, you're putting them in cycle. distress. Yeah. yeah. yeah you're, you're putting them in out outside. This is a Dan Siegel term out, outside of their window of tolerance. Right. Sure. Um, yeah. because they need us to regulate because their brain's not developed yet. So you're right. We need, uh, Sue, Sue Johnson coined this term. She's a Canadian psychologist, uh, developed emotion focused couples therapy. She said, you know, I like how she coined it. She doesn't believe in codependence. I, I don't actually like the term either being a codependent because I think that's the fear, right? Is I don't want right. to be codependent. I want to be hyper independent. She calls it an unhealthy dependence yep. um, versus a, actually what we need is a healthy interdependence that, yep. that, which goes to attachment. If I have securely based with my family caregiver, my spouse, my friends, like I know I can come and be connected and attuned and co-regulate. I have a hard day. I can come to my spouse or my whatever and talk about it or my good buddies. I could phone a buddy up and say, dude, I had a rough day. Can we talk? you're able to kind of regulate with their nervous system, which helps you calm down. Right. But then you're also able to go explore the world, right? It's all about attachment. Because if I feel safe here, I could actually go venture out into the world knowing I have a safe haven to come back to. Right. So it's this sense of healthy inter-reliance on one another, but it's balanced, right? Because right. if we swing the pendulum one of the other ways, it's unhealthy independence, where it's like emotionally numb and cut off, which leads to things like depression and panic and a whole bunch of things I see in my office all the time is people who are over independent, but they have no connections, no relationships, especially men who are dying inside because they don't have no one to turn to and talk to. Right. Or you become the term that's used as the codependent, which is really an unhealthy dependence where you lose your identity in the other person because you're afraid of being alone. And so I do whatever I got to do. So either way, what you're teaching your kid, going back to the effect of parenting is what you're, what I see you're doing is teaching, helping parents teach their kids to have a healthy dependence on each other which enables them to actually go in the world and explore, which enables them to better regulate their emotions because the reality is 
yeah, my, my wife is not always with me 24 seven. So as an adult, you do get to the place of being able to cope on your own, but also knowing I can turn to her when I need her. Right. That's the point. We need a community as well as ourselves. It's not that yeah. she's regulating me, but I go to her when I need to. And we rely on each other or a friend because then you're equipping your 38 year old to be able to do that when they had a hard day at work. Yes. You know, they have their why of like, here's what I'm doing at a rough day. And I'm not going and turning to the bottle and drinking my sorrows away or numbing out on TikTok and just, you know, I'm able to like talk with people and, and regulate myself and healthily be effective. And then to my kids, like, so there's this, what you're doing, what I'm seeing is you're really building for the next generation, for the the generations to come, that they're going to be better equipped for their kids. Healthy, healthy interdependence where they're more conscious parenting, not being stuck in default. And maybe their default then, maybe, maybe that'll be the new term. Maybe default parenting then will be actually conscious parenting. Yeah. I mean, we can hope. Maybe that'll be the new one. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so, so here's, here's a term that I'm, that I'm beta testing. I don't think I've ever said that on another podcast, but, um, the term that I'm starting to play around with using is intradependence. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, so, so it's not a real word. We're making it up as we go along here. Um, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. We're on the cutting edge of parenting, right? So, sure. um, interdependence is the space between us. Mm-hmm. In like international, right, is like the space mm-hmm. between two nations. Um, intradependence is I know that I can go outside of myself for what I need. I also know that I can go inside of myself for what I need. Like I am enough, but also we are enough at the same time. And that we can actually get to this point of like oscillating as is necessary back and forth between what we need at any given time, which may look Mm. like I don't scroll TikTok TikTok while I'm driving on the interstate on the way home because I cannot be alone with my feelings and wind up Mm -hmm. wrapping my car around a pole. But but also means I also know that there are safe people. There is a safe haven. Mm -hmm. And and I think that this is one of you know, a lot of people are like, okay, John, what give me the give me the basics. How do I not mess my kid up? Right? Like I don't want to go do all the self work. My dad was an alcoholic and I don't want to deal with it. And I'm like, oh that's really sad that you don't want to deal with it. But but okay, fine. You you want the basics? Like just make sure that your child knows that they're always safe at home and they belong. Mm. If you can do that, 95%, you're going to, we're going to run into some problems, but if 50 mm-hmm. and I, and I say, you don't even have to do this hundred percent of the time. If 70% of the time you you interact with your child in a way that reinforces that they belong and that they are mm. accepted regardless mm. of what they do, that they're unconditionally accepted. If you can do that, you're probably going to do a pretty good job, mm. period. Like if you, if you need like the, the Cliff Notes version, if you can just do that, you're going to raise a child who at least has the basics, the basis of resilience to be able to foster yeah. that later for themselves. If they yeah. don't grow up feeling like they have a place to go with their big feelings, mm. then you will see what we are seeing, which totally through the birth of the internet. The birth of the internet is not, you know, Dave Chappelle, this great sketch, the internet's a place, um, right? But the truth is the internet is not a place. And the same is mm. true. Your relationships on the internet are relationships, but not in the same way. Mm. And so, you know, with the birth of social media and the internet, with all of the amazing connection, and obviously, you know, me and you are sitting here today, Travis, because of the internet on opposite totally. sides of the country, right? There's good, there's good in, 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 in this, but at the same time, the internet will never be a, a, a replacement for a stable family home. 
And, mm. and the more kids think that they can replace their unstable family environment with some sort of arbitrary Instagram community, says the guy who intentionally tries to foster intentional Instagram communities. Like, the more you think that that's going to replace it, the more you're going to realize that it's, it's an empty bucket. Like the mm. added, or it's a bucket with a hole in it. You keep pouring yeah. in and it just keeps coming out. And so, yeah. you know, that's the basis, right? If you, if you're like, I can't get with you on the punishment stuff, John punishment, I got to use punishment sometime. I, you know, I, I'm still going to yell at my kids. Okay. First of all, me yeah, too. Uh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a book to a few to read on science, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> I would, right? If you want to see me again, read this book and even if they go to the point of like, I, I can't do it. I can't get to that point with you. If, if really at the core, your kid feels accepted and loved unconditionally. Totally. Yeah. Like, like the rest of it is, is cheese on the nachos. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. that's, that's the, you know, the basis of effective parenting is raising a kid who actually grows up to feel secure. And in order to do that, you have to be secure. Yeah. Well, well I think it comes back to then as we start to wrap up is the reality is it's going to require some level of your own work, um, whether you do it as you realize what your kid needs in a way you're reparenting yourself, that can happen as mm -hmm. you start to do things differently of like, wow, I didn't get this, but I know somehow deep inside I know my kid needs this. And I've seen this happen where I've seen people come from horrific, horrific, horrific backgrounds, but give their kids the like really what they needed, love, mm -hmm. affection, care, support, mm -hmm. love, mm -hmm. like not even close to what was given them. Right. But they didn't have a grid for it, but they knew somewhere deep down that, now my kid needs love, affection, not to be hit or whatever. Right. I'm not doing that. That I know that's wrong. And they they're able to give that space of love, affection, and you belong here because they know that they didn't get that. And so sometimes it's possible. And I think even through their reparenting, they're in a way they kind of reparent their own inner child, like that yep. that wounded self. Um, and that can be very healing. Other times it does require work, you know. Um, Especially, I'm thinking of dads right now, being on a dad podcast, um, or men, is that, man, if you're, if you're shutting your, your boy's emotions yep. because you were told to shut him down, you're going to get, he's going to be very similar to how, you, how you're struggling right now because he's going to hear that he can't feel. And so I think to some, if I challenge guys, I'm, well, I'm just challenging men, you know, we got to be comfortable with emotions. We got to yep. learn to be comfortable in our body and to teach our boys and our girls the same. But I know a lot of men come into this because it wasn't safe. They, right. they were told not to feel. And so... I think for that, they have to do some work in order to be present for their kids' emotions because what's going to happen for them is they're going to go right back into their survival states of, well, this is a threat, this is a danger for me, so i got to shut this down somehow, <laughs> whether right. yelling or right. go to your room or whatever, because this, I can't handle this. Right. Well, it's an implicit memory usually. So, so you know, what, what we get into, and I, you know, you know this, but just to say it for anybody who hasn't heard this, especially the guys, you know, the reason that crying is so triggering to you is because mm -hmm. when you cried often, not always, but when you cried, your parents shamed you for that in one mm -hmm. way or the other. Boys don't cry. Whatever, I mean, whatever, you know, they just turned a shoulder to you. They ignored you, whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. When you cried, your parents shamed you for that. And you might never mm -hmm. remember that happening. But your body remembers, like your like your 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 amygdala, your nervous system remember, yeah, your remembers, nervous, yeah. your autonomic yeah. nervous system yeah. remembers. And so when your kid starts crying, you mm -hmm. feel ashamed mm -hmm. because it's a trigger for you. In the same way that a person who's been through you know a traumatic assault might be triggered yep. by a smell 
or might be triggered by a certain song or might be triggered by a certain location, you are triggered by crying because the last or what the, during the formative years of your life, when you heard crying coming out of your own mouth, the way that you felt immediately after that was shamed, which, which by the way, the opposite of shame is belonging. So when we talk about belonging, the opposite of shame is belonging, right? Shame is, that's the, is an, saying, that's the antidote. Yep. The sh- shame is saying, uh, I don't know if I have a place in the, in the pack. I, my place in the pack is insecure. So, so, you know, that's, I, I think that that's like you, you fundamental as a guy's like, I just don't like when kids cry. I'm just not, a, I'm not a baby person. It's like, yeah, well maybe your parents weren't kind of treated you like they weren't a baby people yeah. when you were a baby. Yeah. 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 That dude, that's powerful. I mean, that's like a, this is the work, yeah. man. This is the 100. Yeah. This is this the real is work. <laughs> no, this is the, this is the stuff. This is the nitty gritty that we get into. And yeah, all those men that I work with too, when I get there, it's always rooted in some level of, abandonment, rejection, shutting down. I mean, every single one of them, not one of them I go to is, no, my parents comforted me and loved me and hugged me and said I was okay. Nope, that didn't exist. Not even in the slightest. So um, to close up, if you could leave, yeah. you know, where can we find you? Yes. Where's your work? Anything else we need to know just to kind of get you? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, best place to find me probably is on social media at Whole Parent with a W. The H one has not set up yet. Um, W-H-O-L-E-P-A-R-E-N-T, Whole Parent. Um you know, you'll find all the links in my bio are always just my email list. And that is because if you really want to do this work for real, that's where the work happens. The Mm. quick little mindset shift. Oh, it's fun. Here's how you raise good siblings for in a minute and 25 seconds on Instagram reels or TikTok or whatever. Sure. Like it's all good and fun. My goal is to get you on my email list and maybe eventually to get you in the membership, but, but really to get you on the email list because that's where we're going to go deep. And every Thursday I send out an, an email, usually over a thousand words. Sometimes there's a video version of it that's embedded in there, but, but that is where if you really want to do this work and, and start thinking differently and start parenting, not mm-hmm. out of your default parenting, but actually out of your conscious, thoughtful goals, driven values, driven, uh, place that's where you're going to get it from me because the goal is what for you what is your goal i mean i think i think i want my kids to be physically this is what i say um i i have to think about this how how what this really means because it's become almost rote for me at this point but i want my kids to grow up to be physically mentally emotionally spiritually and and relationally healthy I want them to be able mm. to be healthy in all of those aspects of their life. Yeah. And I think if they're healthy in all those aspects of their life, they will be happy. But my goal is actually not their happiness. My goal is their fulfillment mm. because mm. I think if they're fulfilled, then that's what happiness comes from. If you're, if you're healthy in all those ways, it's hard not to be happy. That's what I'll say. Yeah. Boom. Oh, fire. Dude, thank you so much, John, for being on the show. Thank you, Travis. Um, everyone, everything's in the show notes. You'll see at the bottom of the links, everything we linked, all to John's stuff. You'll find it there. Just click in the description. It's all there for you to find it. Have a blessed day, dude. Looking forward to connecting again on the next podcast when you do, you know, maybe your stuff and maybe the other whole parent thing. Yeah, 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 for sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right, dude. Thanks, man. Thanks for joining and listening today. Please leave a comment and review the show. Dads are tough, but not tough enough to do this fatherhood thing alone.